This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. You've done it again. You've made the right choice. You've opted for the right thing in your car, on your walk, during your chores, and I promise we will not let you down. The dulcet tones you're currently listening to are those of Fred Mills, founder, face, voice, and fast-emerging Instagram icon behind the B1M, and this week we are shaking things up for you on the World's Best Construction Podcast. So, because Liam is currently travelling back to Australia, I don't know why it's taking him so long, not sure if he's walking or what's going on, but anyway, he's on his way back to Australia as we speak. We have got podcast maestro from the b1m luke Bly with us here today how you doing mate yeah not too bad not too bad mate uh managed to recover from our little team meeting team building session last week which was ace did that in london that was good fun wasn't it mate yeah Thank really you. good fun we had a bit of pub golf in shoreditch followed by uh, some drinks and some pizzas it was it was really nice to get the entire b1m team together it hasn't happened since for a couple of years because We've got people in the US now, we've got people in Australia, there's always holidays or self-isolating or something going on. So to actually have the whole company in one place at the same time was uh, was lovely. Yeah, it was a good night. I don't think it's going to happen for a long time now. That's it. Give it another 10 years, mate, when the, B- when the BIM team is a lot bigger and you can invite <laughs> everyone out to uh, a hotel in Monte Carlo or something like that. So. I'm not going to rise to uh, you calling the B1M the BIM. I'm just going to let that go. I'm going <laughs> to pretend you didn't do that. We've had a long chat about that on past podcasts. You know how it's much it winds you, me up. You told me it winds you up. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm good. No. I'm good. I'm good. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm very good. I'm very good because this week we've also got an extra special guest with us. So in lieu of Liam, we've upgraded, guys. We've got someone much better on for you. We have got senior video editor Aaron Woods. How you doing, mate? Hello, boys. I'm very excited to be here. We're very excited to have you here. For anyone that doesn't know or hasn't heard of this guy's name, Aaron is one of the legends of the B1M. He is Uh-oh. the legendary video editor behind uh, Billionaire's Row. that's now got 15 million views. The video we did on ITER, the nuclear fusion reactor. Uh, last week's two World Trade Center video, that incredible production that came together and was released on the B1M last week. And also today's video on Gatwick Airport's resurfacing. So yeah, it's awesome to have you with us, mate. You are an extraordinarily talented man. Um, sorry to drag you down with this podcast. Thank you, Fred. And I, I see you've taken my notes on how you being nice to me makes me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Aaron, you actually, you actually listen to the show, don't you? You know, you're one of the few people on the planet that list tuning weekly to the world's uh, best construction podcast. I do indeed. I, yeah, I, I enjoy listening to it while I drive. I, I enjoy seeing, you know, a side of... You know the B one M that people might not get to see very often. You know, and I think that's what I really enjoy about it. You know, it's relaxed, it's cool, it's just conversational, and you really feel like a part of it. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's weird to be here. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it really very, it's very good to have you here, mate. I think I've been in some uh, some hot, hard work and sticky situations with Mister Aaron Wood. We filmed <laughs> on some hot skyscraper sites. We filmed in nuclear reactors. We've uh, we spent a week together filming on the ground in New York for Billionaire's Row. Uh, we had some very long days, some very long shoots, but yeah, it's been awesome, mate. You're one of the the stars of this channel. You're one of the people that basically makes me look good. You're also the uh, author of many of my Instagram photos. You're the guy holding the camera on many of my Instagram <laughs> posts. So. The famous Fred Mills thirst shots, yes. <laughs> Courtesy of Aaron Woods. <laughs> now, with all guests, we always give them a bit of the third degree to get to know them, get to know them nice and early on. Uh, standard question, mate. What's your favourite building? My favorite building. So 
I grew up in the southwest of England in a town called Bristol, famous for the uh, industrial architecture of uh, Mr. Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Uh, so my favorite building is the Clifton Suspension Bridge. Oh, mate, what a great structure. Choice. Yeah, great, great choice. choice. Yeah, That's thank a you very much. That's answer. <laughs> I like that. I love it. I love it. It's just so iconic and beautiful, and it's it's just a, such a symbol for the city. It was one of the world's first suspension bridges off, you know, Isambard Kingdom Brunel's personal design. It's, you know, spans the Avon Gorge. It's just every time you think of that part of the country, it's the image that comes to mind with the balloons rising behind the gorge, the suspension bridge, and it's just so iconic and it speaks to me on such a personal level. So that is my favorite building. Good choice. Good choice. It's one of those structures that when you when you look at it, when you stand next to it, it just kind of defies belief, doesn't it? It's this incredible structure over this incredible gorge. And it's, yeah, I agree with you, mate. It's absolutely incredible. Fantastic choice. Uh, favorite skyscraper? Controversial one. I love 111 West 57th Street, oh, otherwise yes. known as the Slamway Tower. Good answer. The, I mean, the bar is low on that question. Luke will know. We've had uh, we've had the walkie-talkie up here before, so um, <laughs> good good choice. Yeah. What what in particular about that building uh, got you? Oh, it's just I like so. My background is not architecture, construction. I I come at all of this from a purely very shallow visual perspective. I think it is stunning and you have all of these beautiful shots and renders of it rising clean thin gravity defying splitting central park in half you know with those shots from behind it's got this beautiful art deco cladding that goes the whole way up i just it's it's so unbelievably pretty as a structure for me and 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 so one of a kind you know I do know. I completely agree with you, and you're very welcome to stay on this podcast. Because that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of choice. That's the kind of answer we want <laughs> to these questions. That's a good answer. That is a really good answer. I kind of want to caveat it with I don't. You know, we know what billionaires row represents and kind of what the issues there are with it, and and maybe the socioeconomic issues with those buildings themselves. But from a purely visual perspective, yeah. Sure. I agree. Sure. Well, last week I was saying about uh, 432 Park Avenue, and I, yeah, I have the same caveats. There's there's the tax thing, there's the billionaires thing, there's the fact that it's a product of a really terrible system right now, but the fact that they, they can build something like that, and they did, and how beautiful it looks architecturally is, you know, taking, taking aside the, the politics and the money. Uh, nice looking building, we like that, big tick from us. Uh, also now for balance, for balance, Luke's favourite oh, phrase. Yeah. Um, well, who's your favourite YouTuber? <laughs> This is a trap. In, insert Admiral <laughs> Akbar meme right here. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Mr. Fred Mills is obviously... Okay, it's got to be up there. Let me make it a fairer question. Outside of, obviously, discounting Fred Mills, obviously that clips everything else. If you take Fred Mills and the B1M out of it, who's your second favorite YouTuber? <laughs> oh, the, I love, I love uh, Corridor Crew on YouTube. The VFX Arts Reacts videos are just... Oh, they're so nerdy, and I would spend hours down that rabbit hole. Yes, that's a good answer. Very good answer. I, I always like seeing what they do with Star Wars, naturally. But uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to this episode, guys. Absolutely. And Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you and Fred got up to in, uh, in July this year. Yeah, we're going to dive into it. We've got nicely warmed up. We've got to know Aaron. He's given us some bloody good answers, which are going to tee us up nicely for the rest of the podcast. And my goodness me, guys, have we got a banger for you this week. It's not a little sausage. It's a big sausage. It's a big, fat, juicy banger of an episode. We have got the incredible video that Aaron and I filmed on the ground on the Gatwick Airport runway back in July this year that's finally been approved for release and came out on the B1M yesterday. We've got a hot, hot, hot video about Phoenix and all about its urban heat battle and what it's doing to try and cool the city down. We're also looking at a new biophilic skyscraper standing 51 stories above Singapore, DJI's insane new drone-esque headquarters in Shenzhen, funny comment of the week, and some good old chat and banter as we go along. Let's go. So 
So first up this week guys, departing from gate one, an absolutely incredible video that we released on the B1M yesterday, which on the surface sounds a bit dull, pardon the pun, surface, but it's actually incredibly exciting. So what you may not know is that alongside me being an enormous construction geek, I'm an absolutely huge plane airport aviation geek. So earlier this year, in fact on the 4th of July this year, Independence Day, uh, we got the chance to go and have a look at Gatwick Airport's runway resurfacing. Now, as I kind of alluded to, that does sound like one of the world's most boring construction projects. They're literally rushing on overnight, resurfacing part of the runway by bit by bit for three kilometers. It's not, it doesn't sound very exciting, doesn't sound as much to it. But when Aaron and I got down there, we had an absolutely fantastic night. There's a huge amount of adrenaline and pressure. The work the construction team put into planning this, to making it happen, to getting access onto that runway after the last planes have taken off, to get the work done, turned around, and the runway reopen again, ready for planes that are already in the air, already traveling to Gatwick to open, is absolutely incredible. Aaron will attest, I was like a kid in a sweet shop the entire time. How did you find the night, Aaron? I... I went there with very low expectations i will not lie you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you said to me you were like we're gonna go we're gonna film the resurfacing of gatwick's gatwick's runway and i was like all right cool uh yeah it's, uh, it'll be fun why not overnight shoot airport runway you don't get to go very often but it was it was so we were like we were giddy for most of that shoot it was so exciting the like rush of being around the the cruise the build-up was massive we got to we got to sit on the edge of the runway, watch the planes take off. We got to be on the ground as they were digging it up. All this activity, it was just mad, absolutely mad. Yeah, it started when they, so we kind of met the Gatwick communications team in their offices. They invited us to make this video, which was awesome. Big shout out to those guys. They've, they've been great with this. But they got us kind of all kitted up and all these security passes, which was a right rigmarole, by the way. Behind the scenes at the airport is not straightforward. Um they then took us through a different security lane. So that's why I started to get excited. I was like, oh, we're in a special like secret security lane where the staff and the contractors go. That was really cool. You weren't you weren't with the kids going to Mallorca. You know, it was a it was a lot simpler and, and straightforward. <laughs> it was nice and cool. <laughs> you weren't you weren't with the people going, Oh, sorry, I forgot a bottle of shampoo in my bag, holding up the queue. You know, all that was all that was gone. And then they I think the moment where I start, started to become a real kid in a sweet shop was where they took us through these doors in the baggage claim hall. And then we were the other side of the baggage claim where they load the bags into the system. I found that very, very cool. Uh, it's Aaron smiling because he knows at that point I was like, oh my God, the baggage claim is so cool. We then got into one of these like, uh, I kind of felt like, I don't know, one of the contractor, one of the Gatwick Airport team's like trucks with the, the, you know, the lights on the top and everything. And they drove us around like one of those sort of escort convoy trucks that goes around the airport. And they started just driving us in between the planes over round the end of the runway and over to where the site is. I got very excited at that point. It was insanely cool. They took us out onto the taxiway. We got to watch uh, planes taking off literally like, what, 100 meters away from, maybe even 50 meters away from where we're standing? Meters, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Being part of that crew and seeing the build up, the work that goes in is incredible. Um, last plane that took off before the runway opened and the works begun was the Emirates A380. There's oh. a video up on my Instagram, but to be standing just a few meters away from that as it took off oh. was like, yeah, I peaked. I was like, yep, yeah, this is good. The sun was setting. It was a golden hour. It was absolutely gorgeous. That's what oh I'm my word. I'm not jealous at all. At all. Wow. I mean, the A380 alone, like seeing one of those bad boys land in front of you. I mean, I freak out whenever, you, whenever you're at the terminal and you just see one just parked. And I'm like grabbing my missus. I'm like, do you know what that is over there? <laughs> it's an A380. And uh, appreciate the beauty. I've had the pleasure of flying on an A380 uh, three times. And uh, one was Air France and twice with uh, British Airways. And seeing just just being on that and, and and seeing how like strong the plane is, you know, it's like it just effortlessly takes off. When you're there on the runway, is it like the opposite to that? Is it just like this huge object just slapping itself onto the ground, or is it a bit more demure than that? It was it was taking off, so we kind of saw it. We were we were I guess oh, two right. thirds of the way along the runway. 
we saw it turning at the other end, and then it, and then this enormous object, especially a, a building, starts hurtling towards you, <laughs> and then it kind of was pulling up and literally took off next to us and just pushed into the sky. It was extremely loud, but it was, uh, yeah, I loved every single second of that. Yeah, but that goes to show how like strong and how um, important the runway is right is you effectively have you just said this like building because it is like a flying building isn't it it's like a flying fortress and uh, that's a little nod to the old airplane for you uh have geeks out there oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> or model i used to do the old model airplanes we did it at school one time and i got really sold on it i bought a few model airplanes didn't really get massively into it but that was that was good fun um but it, yeah it goes to show how important these like these runways have to be and how strong they have to be i had no idea how much went into into this no so i came into this i pitched this to the team because gatwick reached out to us earlier in the year and i said oh my goodness me guys not gonna leave it gatwick have reached out they want us to film on the runway it's gonna be so cool and everyone looked at me like oh you're kidding it's a bit of tarmacking thread that doesn't really fit with like you know the other hit videos we've made on the b1m but this is not your ordinary bit of tarmacking, guys. This is a major, major piece of infrastructure. So to give you a bit of uh, a bit of context, a bit more background on all this, Gatwick, in case you don't know, is one of the UK's busiest airports. It serves London, even though it's not actually really that close to London. They call it London Gatwick. Um, I was once behind an American lady in the taxi queue at Gatwick, and she was like, so which part of London am I in now? <laughs> like, yeah, you're not, you're not in London. You're a long way from London right now. <laughs> Couldn't be a way to go. That's kind of true of all the London airports, I suppose, isn't it? Apart from Heathrow and City, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. London um, Luton. I mean, London Stansted. I mean, come on, guys. Mate, London South End, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a reach, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, London Gatwick is very well connected to central London with a fast rail line. There you go, Gatwick comms team. You're welcome. I've saved it. I've spun it back around for you. They've got 50 airlines flying to over 200 locations. They had 45 million passengers move through that airport in 2019 before the pandemic. It started coming back big time after that. As you know, it's been a been a busy time for airports, particularly in 2022. They are one of the busiest single runway airports in the world. So they've got two terminals, north and south, but everything goes out of this one runway. There's then a smaller standby runway that's only used uh, in good visibility or for emergencies. To give you a flavour of how busy this stuff is, 55 aircraft movements an hour, 950 arrivals and departures a day at peak time at Gatwick. It's a busy time. There's a very, very small window where the ground teams, the ground operations teams get to go in, check the runway, make sure everything's happening okay. If something goes wrong here, if you have uh, a delay, if you have an issue where the runway has to close for a bit or a plane can't land it causes knock-on effects around the world because planes are in the wrong place connecting flights can't happen bags are in the wrong place crew are in the wrong place it's not just a pain at gatwick this happens all yeah it just has a huge knock on the aviation system the aviation system as you probably know is very interconnected so aaron and i step into this uh exciting road surfacing project and uh get a get a first-hand look at it the build-up, the preparation is crazy. So for months, uh, as you hear in the video, they worked on putting this together. They like put this, this playbook together of problems. They game plan scenarios of things that could go wrong and developed solutions to them, all so that they can act quickly and get onto the site and then off the site and the runway open again as quickly as possible. They do the work overnight. So they start about 9.30 p.m. actually driving onto the runway and then they're trying to wrap up and finish by, I think, 5am is when they have to be wrapped up by. That's a quite a tight window. And during that time, planes land and take off from the smaller runway, which has better visibility. They did this during the summer, so they had uh, better lights, better weather. But I think this was our third attempt at filming it because there were a couple of nights where it was raining and we couldn't get there. So it got pushed back to different dates actually ended up happening the night before I had the introductory podcast episodes on the following morning. So if you think I sound tired in that, it's because I'd spent the night on Catwick Airport's runway getting very excited and then not being able to talk about it for like two months, which was which was pretty annoying. Yeah, I remember that. I thought that was the that was the case. I was like, which episode was it? Was it a test episode? Or no, it was a live episode where Fred was like 
I was at Gatwick last, last <laughs> night until late with Aaron. With Aaron. Wow. I mean, yeah. Well done, Fred. Again, you know, B1M first, mate. B1M Thanks, first. Mate. Always, always stoically enduring my diary and getting it all done. <laughs> yeah, Aaron and I got to go with the crews. We went over to the site operations side, which is next to the next to the runway. There was there's like 120 people involved in this. There's a briefing meeting that happens about eight eight thirty each night. They talk about any issues that are coming up. There's this big model of the runway. This big called map of the runway down the middle of the table. They all stand around and point at it and talk about what's happening. Very very exciting. We then got to jump at the front of the convoy. We're in the lead cars at the front of the convoy. And this convoy is like nearly a kilometre long that forms up all these trucks ready to go. They've got a concrete batching plant built on site so that they've, uh, you know, sorry, not, not concrete, what am I saying? Asphalt batching plant built on site, ready to go. So they've got the material they need. They can get themselves out of trouble. They're not waiting for deliveries or anything. Everyone has to go through security clearance. Every truck, every person, every bag has to go through airport side security clearance. It's insane. Uh, they go down there. They get the lighting systems stripped up off the runway. They then strip the existing surface back. They add two new layers of asphalt or concrete, as I would say, because, hey, they're the same thing, apparently, according to me. It all gets <laughs> grooved. It all gets checked. The lights get reinstalled. The runway is forensically analysed for something called foreign object data, or FOD, as they told us. Basically, anything that falls out your pocket, a pen lid, a stone, anything, has to be off that runway because things can get sucked up into the aeroplane engines. They can cause issues. They can give aeroplanes flat tyres, all this kind of stuff. So they, they, we literally had this talk about FOD, and they were like, putting the fear of god into us about dropping any fault on the runway but yeah it was pretty incredible how did you find it aaron as you said it was it was super intense i i enjoyed it so much i got this real it was the first real like proper construction site that i'd been on so there was this whole safety briefing beforehand where they were talking about obviously you've been on loads of sites beforehand you know all the dealers we don't need to tell you this and i'm just sat there like I, I need to know this, please. Can someone explain to me what's so dangerous? You know, stay out of the way of all of the moving machinery. There's going to be things going around. Everyone's going 100 miles an hour. You know, we're just really getting in and getting on with it. And can you just please stay out of our way as much as possible? And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, no worries. The fallen object debris thing was super, like, intense as well. Because they were, like, if you if you drop anything, if a coin falls out, if you leave a lens cap, if you leave anything on the runway then that can get sucked up into a plane engine, like you're saying, flat tires, all that nonsense. So, but they, they do this thing where they have to scan the runway after they finish it every time. Am I correct in saying that, Fred? Yeah, I think the work, the, the, the bit about actually doing the work, actually stripping up the runway and laying a new surface is kind of the simple bit. The time and effort that goes into getting onto the runway at the right time when the right flight's left, even if that flight's been delayed, getting the lighting set up, getting the trucks in the right place, and then the kind of leaving yourself enough time to work out again, you know, work backwards out of it, get everything certified, signed off, the asphalt cooled, the lights back on, uh, all before that first aircraft lands. So these planes have already taken off from Dubai or the US, wherever they're coming in from. They can't back out of landing at Gatwick. They're going to have to land at Gatwick. They do have that, obviously, that uh, standby runway, which they are using, which they could use, but it's far from ideal and would cause loads of knock-on. Yeah, the time and effort and energy that goes into planning it, into the health and safety, into the focus on making sure people stay safe and within the right secure zones is, is incredible. It really was uh, an amazing project to get up close to. And yeah, hats off to all the team at Gatwick making it happen because it was uh, yeah epic. I was, um, I was flying out of Gatwick in April this year and uh, I stayed at, you know, the Block Hotel in the terminal? And I had a window facing the runway, and it was incredible. And when I, I, this is going to sound really daft, but it really is just a queue of planes in the sky landing, minutes in between each one. Bang, another plane. Bang, another plane. Bang, another plane. One taken off. One taken off. One taken off. And it's it is constant. It is constant. And I, I it makes you realise it's just one of those things that you take for granted. Because it works well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like that typical thing. If something goes wrong, everyone complains about it. Everyone's gonna notice it. Whereas most of the time, the vast majority of the time, Gatwick Airport is doing their job and they're doing it very well. 
and they're protecting people's lives and they're protecting economies. They're protecting so, so, so much. Makes you realize just how vital, you know, an airport is. You know, skyscrapers are really important. All construction is really, really important because it's people's lives at stake. But an airport, what is it? Millions? What did you have a did you say earlier? How many people travel in and out of Gatwick like a year or something? In twenty nineteen it was forty five million. Oh, that's crazy. And it's one runway. One yeah. runway and then a little backup one. What? I'm so that's proud unreal. we I'm so proud we told this story because the the men and women on this construction site are incredible. They put so much care, so much attention to detail, so much effort so many thankless hours into this project they're working through the night in the dark as you say luke no one sees them no one thanks them no one says well done for it but if it went wrong they'd get a world of grief coming their way and uh yeah to be able to lift up this team celebrate them reveal their work on the b1m is uh is awesome and something that you know for me who started this platform a long time ago oh, that's what i wanted to do i want to show the whole world how great this industry is and to have the chance to do it with videos like this is uh heartwarming for me there you go make you feel nice and cuddly on the podcast oh you are gorgeous gorgeous fred (laughs) there you go (laughs) i also want to shout out to the the grooving man aaron because there's this guy obviously there's there's these big machines there's big rollers and everything but then coming along behind them on this immaculate new asphalt surface they put down is uh he's not called dave but i want to call him groovy dave uh he, he runs the grooving machine which is not as exciting as it sounds, right? He has to manually drive this grooving machine back and forth across the runway to put these grooves in for, for grip, I think. The machine does a metre width at a time. He has to manually drive it in the perfect straight line. And he has to do metre by metre for 3.3 kilometres. Goodness me, grooving is uh, not as fun as it sounds. And is it is it right that the the um, the runway isn't flat? It is slightly wonky. So I that mean, on behalf water- of the Gatwick communications team, the phrase wonky uh, is absolutely not. <laughs> right. Explain it. Explain absolutely it. not Listen. one they would ever use. Um, you were there. And if anyone's about to take off or land on Gatwick's runway, don't worry, it ain't wonky, as Luke would say. As with every piece of road infrastructure or pretty much any hard surface in the world, Luke, yes, as invented by the Romans, there's a slight camber so that water runs off to the edges. Um, Unnoticeable, even to the naked eye, that camber. You wouldn't even notice it, but yeah. Certainly not wonky, guys. Don't worry, please don't sue us. (laughs) But don't those grooves help? Those grooves help, like, push the water off, don't they? I believe the grooves are for grip. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Well, look, there we go, mate. I thought the grooves helped with water and stuff. I mean, it makes way more sense than it's grip, but, you know, that's why you're here, Fred, to teach the world. Just to up the excitement levels even more, I've got some fun facts about Gatwick Airport. You ready for this? Are you sitting down? Are you ready? Are you strapped in? Runway is 3.3 kilometres long, as I said. It's also 44 metres wide. There you go. You can sleep easy at night now, knowing how wide the runway is down at Gatwick. Started as an airstrip in the 1930s, then opened as an airport officially in the 1950s. It was kind of used for military and stuff before then, but it opened officially in the 1950s, then privatised in the 80s. It's been a private airport since then. Um, so it has to do, you know, has to generate its revenue through commercial means, through airlines landing there, through shops, businesses, in the terminals, all that kind of stuff. This is actually the fifth time the runway has been repaired. It was last repaired in 2012 and was first built 70 years ago. So it's had, a, it's had a good innings. It's been used for a long time. Also, a very cool little fact I found out while we were behind the scenes with the team is that Gatwick Airport actually own a flock of sheep. So, and this is not as crazy as it sounds, to keep the grass short in the nearby fields and prevent a certain species of bird from nesting in the tall grass, it's cheaper and easier for them to employ a flock of sheep to basically keep eating the grass all year round and keep it nice and short, at least during the nesting season. So there you go. Do they employ the sheep or do they employ a shepherd to keep the sheep? Are the sheep individually employed? Because I, w- I want to see those contracts. I, I don't know, Aaron. I don't think they actually directly employ the sheep. I think I think you're probably right. There is a, a shepherd. At the, but they, I believe they do actually own the sheep or they certainly lease the sheep. Anyway, Gatwick Airport has some sheep that they oversee, which is a... Uh, yeah. A fact you weren't expecting on the world's best construction podcast, guys. You're welcome. 
I love it. I think more um, more companies should own flocks of sheep and fields and stuff. So well done. But again, it makes sense. It makes sense that you can't have loads of birds near the runway because you know, next thing you know, a pigeon's getting sucked into a turbine or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Does that happen? That's, That's what I've seen doing. on films. I've seen that on films. You know. Yeah, they get a. Bird, bird strikes is what they call it, which they want to avoid, which can occur. I don't, I don't think it actually damages the planes, but it can be, it can be bad for the planes for the engines. So uh, it's not a dangerous thing, but it's something that's very much uh, avoided. So when a bird, so if a bird does get sucked into the turbine, it's not that it damages the plane. It's it can still fly, right? Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, yes. Wow. Obviously, that's the, the bird uh, doesn't doesn't fare as so well. But, oh, doesn't uh, it? No, no. But I should say, just to clarify, these airports <laughs> do employ they employ teams of people that uh, whose job it is to keep uh, birds away from airport runways and airspace. So, and that comes down to they go to crazy lengths to the surface materials in the surrounding area, to the fields. They have uh, a hawk come in sometimes. So they actually, yeah, they sort of let a hawk fly around a bit as like a warning to other birds. It's very, very well managed and very well, yeah, put together. So another, another bit of a hidden scene behind the airport you didn't know about. As always, guys, let us know what you think about this video. We are very excited to see it come live. As I said, I am an aviation geek and a construction geek. I absolutely loved putting this together. I had one of the best, highest adrenaline nights of my life. Then had to sit on it for months uh, until it was able to be released. With all this great social media, all these great photos on my phone, I couldn't tell anyone about, which is really annoying. But uh, it's there now, it's out. Go and let us know what you think. Podcast at the V1M.com. Also, this week, we brought out another video all about the urban heat island effect that's happening over in Phoenix, Arizona. So, this came out on tomorrow's build back on Tuesday. Really interesting video looking at how uh, a city in the US is basically struggling with temperatures and some of the measures they're using to try and bring those temperatures down. So, bit of background for you. Temperatures are seriously rising over in Phoenix, Arizona, and these temperatures are deadly. In 2020, it hit 43 degrees Celsius on 53 days of the year. That's up from 20 days from the previous year. Almost 200 people died from extreme heat in 2020, and that stat is up 60% from 2019. So this is this is pretty serious stuff, as I said, deadly, um, very tragic that so many people lost their lives because of heat. Number of factors contribute to this. So there's a growing population, but also this thing called the urban heat island effect. That's where urban areas are hotter than their surrounding rural areas because of things like material surfaces that are designed to retain heat. And also buildings being positioned close together, lots of uh, services, people, uh, pollution, kind of all in one place can create this urban heat island effect. Throw in that Phoenix is already a hot place to start with, because in case you didn't know, it's in the middle of a desert in Arizona. And you've got this very extreme heat happening, this uh, these deadly heat waves happening every year. City are now looking at a number of ways to cut the heat. So they're looking at bringing in trees, which they aim to cover 25% of the city with by 2030. But there are some issues with that. There's some issues with watering, with, with certain tree species that have to be put in there. There's issues with cars hitting the trees, people vandalizing the trees, which is very sad, some of them perishing. So I think they're a bit behind their target, but they're working to introduce more trees into the city. That helps absorb heat. It helps cool things down. It helps create shade. It creates a better quality of life. People, as we've spoken about many times before on this podcast and in tomorrow's build, they're also looking at cooling. So uh, they've got this very exciting thing called Cool Seal, which they're spraying onto the roads. So because roads are dark surfaces, they tend to they tend to retain the heat and get very, very hot during the day, further contributing to this urban heat island effect. This new Cool Seal system is where they are spraying roads with basically a lighter colour, a lighter surface kind of paint that goes across them. Uh, and that's seeing a huge drop in surface temperatures of the roads. It's helping to bring uh, temperatures down in some parts of the city. They're now rolling it out across more areas of the city, which is really, really cool. And the bigger, more fundamental thing is legislation. So they're looking at changing building materials, urban planning, basically trying to design in a way to help cool the city down more you know, through more inherent design choices rather than reactive or mitigation measures. Um, pretty cool video pardon the pun, some very interesting stuff going on. It's interesting to see how 
a city in America is really battling its rising heat levels, and there's loads to learn here that other cities around the world could look to. What did you guys make of this? Was it was it a hot video for you? I really enjoyed this one, genuinely. Uh, I always love watching Tomorrow's Build videos. Uh, it, it's such a different vibe to VM video, you know. It, it's kind of brings the fun. It's just there's a lightness to it. It's so much more future focused. I thought it came off with a really positive note at the end you know it's like all of these issues and thought you know how do we how do we apply this worldwide to combat what is like obviously a very real issue and even on a kind of micro level i thought the, the coolant stuff on the road they were spraying was amazing the like tangible results from that and and what that means for those people in that area yeah it's incredible yeah yeah i'd agree i'll be honest mate i didn't really know that this was specifically called um what is it, an urban heat island yes is that what we refer to it as yeah because i always thought oh yeah it's um i mean we live on the doorstep of london but usually the weather is a little bit warmer in london just by like a degree or something or when it's really hot it's super hot in london this just showed me simply that no this is a science it's lots of just really simple things and it contributes to this just hot island um phoenix man wow this is crazy people are dying of this and it's it's a bit worrying because i don't think there's there's a lot of cities probably around the world that aren't that far behind sadly yeah it's still gonna be the way things are going isn't it i think it was really interesting in this video we interviewed a guy called david hondula from the incredible incredibly imaginatively named office of heat response and mitigation so Phoenix State Government have set up this dedicated department now to look at how they can immediately respond to heat waves, so like the immediate treatment of people, sheltering of people, uh, managing hospital care, all that kind of stuff, and also mitigation measures. So these measures that we're talking about, the trees, the cooling, the legislation, um, there's yeah, there's a lot of work going into this. Some crazy stats. Phoenix residents are spending $7.3 million in heat-related hospital visits each year in total. Over $100 million of government money is going to fixing roads that have been damaged by the heat each year. So, you know, there's there's a motivation here to get this sorted. They've set up this dedicated government office to look at this. Um, as I said, the reason I'm really pleased we've done this on tomorrow's build is because it is taking these issues, some of the stuff that Phoenix is grappling with, some of the solutions it's employing, and sharing them with a wider audience at a time when, to be quite honest, it's been, in case you haven't noticed or heard me complaining about it on the podcast for several months, it's been a bit hot this summer, and I'd like to cool things down if we can next year. <laughs> this was one of the first things I thought of when I watched this video. I was like, I was with you in Frankfurt when you were complaining relentlessly and very loudly <laughs> about the 38 degree heat. And I thought, Fred Mills, 43 degrees, 53 days. It, I, you'd melt. You'd be a puddle by the end of it. I'm also the guy that bought you a bottle of water and a cold beer that day, Aaron. So, uh, that's been forgotten, hasn't it, mate? Oh, the, the beer's never forgotten, mate. The, the beer's never forgotten. We earned that beer that day. We did. We did. We got back to the hotel room and just... Well, no, that, 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 we didn't show a room, just to clarify. We got back to the hotel <laughs> lobby and just sat in the aircon for like 10 minutes, just like <laughs> coming back to life. And then we got a cold beer. It was like, yes, this is... Let's just stay indoors forever now. <laughs> it's one of those things. It was so hot that when we were filming the intro section to that video, you stood like in the middle of this amazing site with all the skyscrapers and that... The camera rig I was using was so hot after the five minutes there that I couldn't touch it. It was too hot to touch. And that was 38 degrees. So you think about 43 degrees and that relentlessly throughout the year, you really see kind of what these people are up against in this video. And it really is kind of hammered at home from such a personal angle for me. Mm. So I think what, you know, what the city, the city is even addressing it and trying to do something about it is amazing. Absolutely. Some interesting stats. 99% of residents in Phoenix uh, have air conditioning, as you probably imagine. But the sad thing about this is that the heat particularly impacts low-income neighbourhoods. So half of the deaths in 2020 occurred outdoors with people who may not have had access to the shelter they needed. And faulty aircon was normally the issue indoors. So people have air conditioning, but it's maybe not very good. It can't keep up with the heat or it's broken or it's struggling and they haven't got the money to be able to afford to fix it. So it's, yeah, it's sad that it, again it comes back down to money everyone has aircon everyone's trying to stay cool but if you're homeless or if you can't afford the best aircon or if your aircon breaks you're in a world of trouble which is where again the state government are stepping in and trying to you know when it gets really bad off of these almost like disaster centers sports halls that are air conditioned for people giving out water 
Um, I mean, hopefully, many cities in the world don't get to this level. As I said, Phoenix in particular is in the desert in Arizona. But like I've said, there's so much we can learn from this. So the, I mean, it's it's fantastic that cities around the world can learn from cities like Phoenix that are taking action on this because you know lots of people live there. And this will naturally uh, affect a lot of people. But I'm going to ask a really, this might even be seen as a bit of an awkward question. Okay, so I, I, I want your thinking caps on. <laughs> um, is it that the problem is, is that we're, we're building these big cities, like Phoenix is a big city. And like you said, we've built it in a desert, right? Is that the best place to make a big city? Is that the best place to? I mean, we mentioned um, in the in the video about people being outside. You know, there's a there's a chunk of people that were that ended up in hospital. That was because they were outdoors. You know, in a city where you can't, you know, for what what is it, fifty three days plus in the year, you can't really be outdoors. Is that when we should be looking at ourselves and going, do you know what, maybe uh, we shouldn't be building such big places in like deserts? It's a good point, Luke. So the most extreme areas of our world tend to not have settlements in them. So Arctic Greenland, the far north of Canada, the far north of Russia, Antarctica, the Sahara Desert, you know, there are places, there are people there, but they're in extreme environments, extremely remote locations. The rest of the world is pretty much settled on normally. Be, you know, there are wildernesses, but you know the Amazon rainforest is probably quite a big one that I've ignored there. But uh, <laughs> there, yeah, there are there are wildernesses, there are deserts, there are jungles, there are mountain ranges and stuff that are uninhabitable. But most space is inhabitable. Obviously, Phoenix was founded a very, very long time ago, and what's happened is as the economy's grown, that city's grown. There's a higher population there now. Throw in climate change, rising temperatures, growing population, and it's all kind of it's all coming to a head and really mm. biting for people. That's that's the issue. That's that's where the problem is. They they would move it if they could, but they can't because that's where the city is. Worth <laughs> saying, it's 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 fundamentally designed. You know the the architecture and the buildings, the materials, the infrastructure you see in Phoenix will look very different to Basildon or or wherever you may be in the world. Because because of the heat, yeah, you know, the buildings, the that city's always been designed in a way to cope with the heat. It's just now it's getting too much. People, you, know, you can't have that many people dying from that level of heat. It's insane. Yeah, that is insane. That really that is shocking. Again, this video is showing people that this is a problem, and it, and it's not necessarily that it's just going to be a problem in 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 Phoenix or places like Arizona, but you know elsewhere, like. You guys, we, we, you know, we're having a little bit of a laugh, but even this year in in London, on some of those days where it's like forty plus degrees, that's that is um, that is a bit worrying, isn't it? When European cities that are this far north are getting that hot, it is something needs to be done. But I do think, you know, the optimist in me is like, no, we can we can find some solutions to this because whether whether it is nature, you know, something like planting trees, that is actually quite simple. And it goes to show that when we when we go too far away from nature and from not having nature included in our infrastructure, included in our urban landscape, that it it kind of can go wrong a lot, right? Yeah, even with flooding, that's the case, isn't it, right? I think uh, if you get too, rid of too much greenery, it's the same problem. So there we go. I don't know. Yeah, there's obviously a load of factors that are going on that go into preventing climate change or trying to turn the dial on climate change. But it always has struck me, you know, it's one of the main reasons I got into construction, why I love the industry so much, is it can play such a big role in helping limit mankind's impact on this planet. You know, in this video, we're talking about urban planning, construction techniques, infrastructure systems, the legislation around urban planning, buildings, materials, how buildings get planning approval. All that stuff is construction industry related. It's this built industry that has the way to, as I said, like make one of the biggest impacts on climate change, on moving the dial on climate change on this planet. So, you know, forty percent of all greenhouse gas emissions come from our buildings. You know, that's this is the area we've got a target if we're going to really tackle climate change and turn things around. And it's another reason why I think this is the best, most important, most impactful industry in the world. So let us know what you think about this hot video, guys. We want to get your thoughts, your input. Send us your emails, podcast at the b1m.com.
So, also in the news this week, we've got a new 51-storey biophilic skyscraper that's been completed in Singapore. Now, this looks incredible, but I can hear what you're all thinking. What do you mean, Fred? What is a biophilic skyscraper? Please explain. So, this is where architects attempt to better connect building occupants with the natural world. Often through things like planting, the use of natural materials or surfaces, it's basically kind of linking the experience of being in a building, the experience of the design of a building, better with the natural world. And there are all kinds of advantages for that in terms of well-being, occupancy well-being, people's happiness, people's mood, uh, productivity, even in offices. All of it's linked. And this is where this kind of theme of biophilic design, biophilic architecture is coming from. That has been pervasive throughout this new skyscraper in Singapore, designed by Bjarke Ingels Group and Carlo Ratti Associati, also abbreviated helpfully to CRA. Mixed-use building, 280 metres high. It's got 80,000 plants and trees throughout it. Many of those are within this incredible four-storey vertical park in its middle, which is kind of this uh, yeah, basically just open-air indoor park with bridges, walkways, trees, plants. Singapore is good at architecture. This looks absolutely sublime. I love it as always because i always say i love it but i really do love this one it's very nice <laughs> what do you guys uh do you guys agree yes i do mate i really really do um first thing i thought actually um was what you just said was oh i love this i really really love this um the cladding looks high quality and i think the little breaks in the in the cladding are fantastic they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, as uh, a lot of long-term listeners of the show would know, um, we're sometimes a little bit critical when uh, they just slap trees and plantage and foliage on skyscrapers because that seems to be the thing people do at the moment. And it's a bit annoying. I think it's a bit shallow. And that's if at the end of the project they're even going to be there in the same way. It's probably just going to be a few twigs and a few plants just like shoved on top of a podium or something. This looks good. This looks good. I think this is a completely different take on that idea. Um, I love it, Fred. Uh, my my biggest criticism of it is that they've slapped an ugly logo at the top of the tower. I'm not a fan of the logo. I don't think the logo looks good and I don't think it belongs on a skyscraper like this. The, you know... At the end of the day, this still looks pretty, pretty gorgeous. Uh, Aaron, what do you think, mate? You liking it? I had I had mixed feelings when I first saw this one. I, 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 yeah, exactly. I know. Oh. I thought, okay, cool. Like you said, it's they've, they've chucked some plants on a building, you know. And but the more you look at it, the more you kind of look at these forms, the the sort of natural, almost terracotta tones they've used in this park in in the middle. They've got this sort of organic flow to them that's like really gorgeous. Oh. There you go, there you go. Use your, use your cat frames, Luke. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but it's got these giant archways. It's got that those different levels, the sort of mezzanines and 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 staircases. It is genuinely a very beautiful beautiful building yeah. yeah that roof I'd garden agree. as well the roof garden and the shots they've got up there at sunset absolutely crazy that's a bit of me that is cold drink in a roof garden on a skyscraper i am in anytime anywhere in the world let me know singapore's one of those places that i really want to go to so hopefully when i do go this will be built this will be built but yeah good job I like it really really yeah. nice liam was uh transiting singapore when i last spoke to him so he was uh he's flying to singapore and then going on to, uh, to australia from there so we'll have to ask him what he thought. He was clearly looking out the window, uh, analysing the architecture on his way in, as Liam would do, as he always does on an aeroplane. <laughs> so we'll ask him what he thinks. Luke, I want to know, because we've now like established the Luke Bly scale. There's like Obviously, there's gorgeous at one end. Absolutely gorgeous is like yeah. the, the, the far end. And then the other end is the, the FC Basel Stadium. Oh, that's, like, that's like rock bottom for disgusting. Luke. Yeah, where, whereabouts does this one sit on, on the, the scale of FC Basel to gorgeous? Where would you, uh, where'd you put this? If absolutely gorgeous is a ten, and uh, Basel FC Basel is 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 zero or one or, or zero point five, I'd say this is maybe a seven. 
Ooh, maybe a seven point two. So it's up seven. there. It's quite it's quite high, but I, 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 it's not meant to be. I don't think anyway. I don't think it's meant to be. You know, the star of the show. It's not meant to be the star of the skyline. But I, I think that almost is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, not every building needs to be. You know, screaming, "Look at me! Look how good and different I am!" And I think so. Yeah. If anything, yeah, I think that that adds to it. Uh, I like it, but the logo. They need to take that off for it to, to get to, you know, real, absolutely gorgeous territory. I know you mean about it being uh, cohesive and you know, fitting with the coherent look of the city. It's, it's like cohesive, it fits in, but there's a bit of a twist. Compliant with a bit of a twist, if you know what I mean. It meant much of the way I like to live my own life, really. You know, compliant to a point with a bit of a twist, a bit of a razzmatazz, a bit of spice every now and then. So, mm. yeah, we like this. It's got the thumbs up from the, the podcast crew. We will get Liam's feedback and pass it on to you guys. He clearly studied this as he was flying in. So, uh, we'll mm. get that for you and let you know. Now, going over to Shenzhen, we've got a building that we've been tracking at the B1M for a long time. This has cropped up in a few of our summary videos. We've done like top projects completing, we've done uh, top skyscrapers, we've done stuff about Shenzhen before. The DGI headquarters is now complete and open and looks, for me, absolutely incredible. DGI, in case you didn't know, are the uh, drone firm. They do a lot of drones. They're kind of the market well, world market leader in drones, I think. They're pretty up there. They've got two 200-meter twin skyscrapers designed by Foster and Partners, connected by an absolutely incredible jaw-dropping open-air bridge in the middle that sits 105 meters above the city, very convenient, if slightly terrifying way of crossing offices to go to a meeting or go and see someone else on the other side. They've also got these indoor drone flight labs that are four stories high where they can try out drones. It's it's awesome. I really like this. I think it's they've they've taken a very strong brief, you know, build a drone headquarters in Shang in Shenzhen, in the tech capital of China, where all this kind of, you know, it's the emerging, the new Silicon Valley. It's edgy, it's futuristic, it looks incredible at night. I think they've absolutely smashed it. It's like we're living in the 22nd century. What do you guys think? Oh, I'm going to caveat my opinion by saying I have no architectural background, knowledge, or uh, this is very much a layman's opinion. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's boxy. It's... It's very utilitarian, I guess. It's it, it just for me doesn't do it. I, I like you know classic architecture. I'm a big fan of Art Deco. I, I the bridge is cool, I guess, and they've got these drone flight labs, which is just what code for a big room. Like that just <laughs> oh, hang on, back back up a minute. The, the bridge is cool, I guess. It's a bit more than like the link bridge at your local shopping centre, and it? it's. It's oh, like it five stories open air above Shenzhen. It looks like that third picture on Instagram looks like some sort of Star Wars spaceship movie. It looks incredible. Yeah, it's like the bridge. It's like the bridge at your local shopping centre, just higher off the ground. I don't know yeah, what the fuss is about. Thereby more impressive and more exciting. And by the way, you can't get out of this because you're not an architect, got no architectural background. We normally have Liam, for goodness' sake, Liam, Liam, who likes the walkie-talkie. You know. That's not an excuse. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm coming at it from a, from an aesthetic thing, and it just it's so. God, it looks like the evil headquarters of like mm. a, like the government in a future dystopian movie. I... Now that's a good answer. That's a very good answer because I would agree with you. I'm not sure how I, I. I think I'm a bit more neutral on it. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but that's almost worse. I think is that I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm not going, wow. I, well, I suppose I am in some ways, but yeah, the way you just said it looks like a villain's lair. Cause it does. It legit looks like a villain's lair. So weird. Like, like, they plonked the boxes on it. Like in no real, with no real rhyme or reason. It looks, you know, for me, it, 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 it looks like, um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this, but it, you you can see like they've got two concrete cores and they've gone, well, we're only going to do the floor plates here, here, and here, and here, here, and here, right? There's no doubt for me that this is an impressive building. This is an impressive structure. Um, it's eye-catching. It's striking. Um, and in Shenzhen, you know, it's, it's kind of carved out its own lump of the city and gone, yeah, we're here. So... 
I kind of like it in that regard. I, I, I like parts of it. I like elements of it. But I think, I think there may be, there's maybe just an issue of the execution of it. You know, the execution, the actual final product, the finished product isn't quite, there's something missing. There is something about this building that the buildings that's that's missing. The bridge is cool, like you said, and yeah, this could be in a film, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe that is the issue. Maybe the issue is that it could be a secret lair of a villain, or it could be in Star Wars. You know, maybe that is actually that, the problem. At the start of that, Luke, you said maybe I'm wrong. Well, you are wrong. Mate. You're, very, <laughs> <laughs> you're very wrong. As is as is Aaron. I think uh, if anyone's tuning in right now, um, welcome to Aaron's first and last ever outing on this podcast. <laughs> he, uh, he won't be coming back. When I, Aaron I plays a glory, they they they've ex- execution backup. It's Foster and Partners. It's absolutely yeah. Listen, listen, it's futuristic. Mate, it's different. It's edgy. It creates like you say, like a villain's headquarters. They're a Chinese tech firm, for goodness sake. It is a villain's headquarters. I think it's very exciting. It's very cool. It's edgy. It's different. It looks space age. It completely fulfills the brief, but also fits in with the city. You know, compliant but edgy, a bit like me. I, I like it. What's the th- what's your favourite thing about it? Um, all of it, particularly the bridge. <laughs> oh, that's such a lame answer. <laughs> it is a lame answer. That's, such, that's <laughs> such a weak, <laughs> such a weak response, isn't it? All of it, everything. What's wrong? Everything. <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah, I think the cladding looks like a good finish, I suppose. It's the Skybridge, isn't it? Skybridge is really, really snazzy, and the way it is, um, it is open. Yeah, that is really cool. I, there's just something about it, mate. It doesn't look finished. looks like someone's made it on Minecraft and gone that's crazy. Like, that's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. It's so Minecraft. It's so and square I- and blocky and just... And the twin tower thing—it's a bit gimmicky. Do you not think it's now just a bit overdone, a bit gimmicky? Oh, we've got to get some proper architects on this show. We've got it to is, get mate. some people that yeah. actually know what they're talking about on this podcast. I'm surrounded by <laughs> average Put out Jones. a poll. Put out a <laughs> poll. Don't, don't look at me, mate. I just make videos. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. You asked for my opinion. Outstanding videos. I think I've established today. I love Aaron. I love traveling with Aaron. We filmed some of the world's most incredible construction projects. We're going to keep him on the camera now, not on the architecture in future. Back in the edit suite, you. Yeah, just get back to your laptop, mate. Back back to your Mac. (laughs) Drone labs, though. Genuinely, this is this is a thing that they've they've highlighted. We're gonna we're gonna be making these these big drone drone labs. Yeah. Yeah. That is like an estate agent saying, "Oh, there's a large drawing room." You mean there's a, <laughs> you mean there's a living room? It's an open space where you could put a sofa. <laughs> it has period features. Oh, the mold, or uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, in Liam's absence this week, we are going to funny comment of the week with a new host, Luke which will be exciting because we might actually get funny comment of the week read out without any errors or mistakes or pauses or, you know, Liam tripping over his words. Who knows? I don't Who know. Who knows? Maybe. I've teed it um, up you now, mate. What you got? Yeah, mate. We got uh, two comments this week. <laughs> and uh, first one. <laughs> first one, mate. <laughs> well, I believe we got a funny comment of the week, Sheila. Oh, Fanny's comes from the bottle uh mike mike thurston mike thurston um he says i appreciate the effort that goes into making these videos i've been watching since 2018 and the quality keeps improving um mike thurston or or as we call in the uh b1m mike thirsty thurston um is a bit of a beefcake isn't he and he's a bit of a youtube star himself he is Mike Thurston. I've been following for a long time. He's uh, probably, I think, one of the world's foremost health and fitness influencers. He's absolutely well. So to say jacked and a bit ripped is probably probably an understatement. The guy's an absolute wall. But uh, to know that he watches, <laughs> to know that he watches the P1M, tunes in and is commenting on our videos. I was like, oh my goodness me, Mike Thurston. He's an those are absolute tank, isn't he? Absolute tank. There was a guy at my school who called a girl a tank one time and she went home crying. 
She was so surprised. upset. She she actually went home. She That's left school. terrible. That is Bad, shocking, and we do not condone that sort of behaviour. I forgot what he, she went. Oh, name whatever, Hannah. I don't remember that. But you're an absolute tank, and she went. Um, but in this instance, it's a compliment. So name well calling done, like, is like the the weakest, lowest form of insulting anyone, isn't it? It's e- even lower than me just saying everything's wrong with the DJ. <laughs> everything's right about, about your ass. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's, yeah, my God, you just just weak, silly old weak bullies. Ignore them. Know, They're idiots. I know. Well, we got another cheeky comment here, um, which kind of relates to what you were saying, Fred. Um, but we're not going to name the person. But they said, just what we need. This is about the B1M. Just what we need. Another Vox wannabe channel led by some muscle head influence. (laughs) 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 And Fred's response is, oh my God, do you think I'm muscly? The one word I'm picking out of all of that is muscle. I'm quite grateful for it. Oh. Hey, Vox, Vox wannabe. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for right. saying that. Thanks. Yeah, mention the same breath as Vox. Yeah, you drew that line for us, mate. Not like, in that you <laughs> yeah. said we're like Vox and I'm muscular. Thanks, mate, and influencer. You also called me an influencer. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I, I, right? This is a, this is nothing but positives. It is. We spun that yeah. around, didn't we? Yeah. That is all from us this week, guys. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think about the Gatwick Airport resurfacing video and my kind of very smiling, excited face that I'm putting on throughout the entire video. Phoenix's urban heat battle, the new Bioflix skyscraper in Singapore, DGN's new headquarters. We want to know what you think. Get your comments coming in. Get your feedback coming our way. Podcast at the B1M.com. Massive thanks to Aaron for being a guest in this episode. Have you enjoyed it, mate? Oh, I've had an absolute blast, mate. Absolute blast. Good. I can hear that in your voice. It's coming across loud and clear. That you're just like <laughs> overwhelmingly excited. I, I can tell. <laughs> Guys, keep keep tuning in. Keep telling your friends about this podcast, and we will speak to you again next week. 